Welcome to another episode of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith with your host, Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Listen as he shares his faith journey with intentional application methods to inspire, motivate, and activate your spiritual life to develop a deeper connection to the one true source, Yahweh. This is a Faith Becomes Sight production on Black Talk Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. E. Peace and blessings, family, and welcome again to Iron Sharp as Iron, Talking Faith with Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. Tonight, we are having on a great guest, a great guest. Well, before I talk about him, we could talk all night long. I want to first just give a shout out to you know, to Black Talk Radio Network for allowing us to be on this platform. I want to thank Scotty Reed, who has become a good friend, a good friend and brother in this journey. I want to thank um, my homegirl, Tracy. I want to thank Satchmo, Satchmo Gates for allowing us to use this song in the background. But more importantly, I want to thank this brother tonight, um, who is... Not only my brother, my friend, he is, I think, believe he's still a member of the Way of the Lord Fellowship, where, where he was right. a long time ago, right? Well, I like. also want to thank those, those folk over there, 1700 Blair Street, the Way of the Lord Fellowship. My man, Diaz Moore. Brother, how are you doing? Hey, man, I'm good. I'm well. I'm blessed, man. How are you doing, brother? Brother, I, I am doing phenomenal. I'm doing phenomenal. I'm glad to have you on. This, this is, um, I was thinking about this. This is so personal to me. Because um, I, I've known you for so long, but I see you like um, like, like a son in the ministry, right? And not that like like not that you're I'm your father, but just like you came through there, you still belong to us. But man, you you man, you you a grown man now. You grown man. Hey man, don't forget I'm I'm a licensed and ordained minister underneath the way the Lord Church ministers too. So hey, you know I, I did I did kind of forget about that, but yes. Uh, <laughs> July 11th, July 2021, baby. Oh, my God, my God. So, so yeah, let, let's talk about when we first met. I've known you, I've known you for how long? Uh, I would say 31 years. 31 wow. years. I met you, we were, I was at ODU, I was in history class. Uh, and you are a grad TA. And, uh, you know, it was, I was a freshman walking in the doors, fresh off the streets <laughs> coming in there. And uh, I was just green to learn, man. And, you know, it was a bunch of knuckleheads that you know that we all grew up right, with right. in school or whatever. And uh, some cats can understand. It's like, I'm doing my work, but Ellis is in here. I, I don't really know Ellis like that. I'm just a student <laughs> trying to learn. And uh, we, 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 we grew from there, man. We, we grew from there. Uh, you know, I remember we used to live in Royal Oaks together and, you know, used to yes. see you on campus and, you know, you was always, was always down. You're always there to help me and you, 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 you helped me, you know, in history, but I helped myself because, hold on, first of all, I did my work. I oh, got gross. my grades and I did my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did do your work. You were brilliant. I mean, I mean, not were, still are. And, and it's, it's funny for me because as I speak to your son, I'm like, man, I remember talking to your dad when he was a freshman at ODU and just how they are able to articulate things. Of course, your lovely wife, Jay, is brilliant as well. But it's just yeah. amazing to see how, how your, 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 what you spoke and what you knew, and then you were actually walking and living it. That's yeah, what the it, beautiful it, thing is. Man, the beautiful thing about that, man, that this journey has been one like I could, you know, honestly, I could never imagine. You know, someone like myself, and I mean, we, we've had deep conversations with someone like myself that dealt with 
self-doubt, a lot of things, just not being confident about myself to now to be evolved to someone that, you know, has been blessed and ordained to be able to stand in front of people, to preach the gospel, to be able to empower people to want to change their lives. It's a far cry from where I am. And the iron of me actually talking to you tonight, I'm actually talking to you from my childhood home in my bedroom I grew up in. I get get to sleep in my own, truly, truly sleep in my own room, in my own bed tonight. And I get breakfast at home in the morning and my kids back. I'm at (laughs) their grandma house, but I'm I'm at home. (laughs) That's how, listen, that's how my mama treat her only son, right? That's what it is. And I'm the, yeah, I'm the only one. She she the waited for me to one. walk in here. The only one. She walked in here and waited to see these bags and the pots got to wrapping. So um, yeah, man, it's just it's just blessed, man. It's just most definitely blessed. I mean, go okay, let, let's go back, say 30 years um mm-hmm. to the, to this day. Could you foresee you being where you are now, where you was 30 years ago? Uh, nah, not at all. And I, and I think I had I think during the era of the 90s when you can go back and look at the, to the development of, of honesty, the hip-hop generation and what society had labeled as black men that if you make it to 21, you know, we weren't, ex- our life expectancy was short because of just the volatile times that we lived in. I, I don't think I ever really saw that level of depth until, you know, I started to really get, you know, going. And then to actually go through the, the transitional periods I've gone through in my life, it was like I would I would never have thought in, in 30, 31 years of being where I am coming in. I went to college at 17. You mm. know, that's that that's hard. You know, I turned 18 in college. I graduated in June and I was at ODU a week later. You know, so to be a 17-year-old freshman walking into a university, you know, in the summer school, in a program coming from a small town, I was just trying to exist, man. I was just trying to figure it all out. So to answer that question, no, man, I I would never have been able to to, to thought that I would be where I am now, right now, and and just kind of, you know, walking in the path that I'm in right now. Do you mind if I ask you, I I know the answer to this, but I I would like for for the people to share, you know, because while at ODU, you had to step away from ODU. Can you talk about what it felt like not being able to, you know, I mean, just, I'm gonna let you tell your own story, but, but I'm sharing this, I'm asking this question because my son has been going through that. And I, and as you were talking, I thought about your story. So if you, you don't yeah, mind just so, being transparent and sharing. No, 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 you know, you know, I, you know, transparency is my thing, I mean, because I realized my, my, my story or my testimony can most definitely help and impact someone else. Um, I think for me, coming from a localized small town and going to ODU, which, you know, Norfolk, you know, city type environment to yes. walk oh, in. Well, if I could, ODU is Old Dominion University in Norfolk, yes, Virginia. Yeah, and that's the team that blew up Virginia Tech, by the way. You know, shout out to uh, my Virginia Tech saying. people that are probably mad. I'm just saying. I'm just uh, saying. You know, Monarch ate a turkey, but but that's blessed. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm sorry. They, that was twice that we've done that to the, to the and power. In the last the anyway, years. I'm going back. Yeah. We digress. Yes. And I, so we digress. Yes, digress. So um, coming into that environment, you know, and meeting the different personalities and people and, and different things, it was it was awkward. 
um, I socially lost myself. Um, mm. I, I truly socially lost myself. Um, I started to engage in activity that was not conducive to what you should be in college for. But again, it was part of the experience. Um, I started to get involved with alcohol and drugs. And I just really went down this real deep, dark path. And uh, it was at the point that, you know, I couldn't find myself. And, and I literally went down the wrong path very quickly. But throughout the entire journey, um, me and you talked about this, the difference between being chosen and called. And I knew that there was something different going on, but I just, the, the slope was so slippery that, you know, when I got to it, I, I recall the story I've shared with you that I'll never forget this night as long as I live. I was dating a young lady that was, that, that was at Hampton University. Um, she dropped me off at my, my apartment in Royal Oaks Apartments. And mm. it was a big step show that night at, at the, uh, we used to call it the old gym. And I was mentally going through. Um, I honestly left my apartment on Little Creek Road and I walked all the way to ODU to the old gym. As oh, wow. I was walking, <laughs> as I was, yeah, as I was walking, I walked into the parking lot. I saw everybody just like having this, I'll never forget, they were having this joyful experience. And I and I just felt so lost and disconnected um, that I honestly walked back. And as I was walking back to, to Little Creek Road, um, coming through Larchmont, looking through those areas, and which at nighttime, you know, for a fact, those ain't the best places to be in Norfolk walking that time of night anyway. But right. again, I was in a different headspace. Uh, I honestly contemplated suicide at that mm. moment. And um, I, I actually was walking over the bridge on top of Elizabeth River. And I, and, I, and I thought about actually doing this to myself. And, you know, it was at that point that I had already called my mother and told her, you know, don't come mm. looking for me or whatever. And she ended up coming down, her, my cousin, and my aunt. They came a little creek. Um, and I literally didn't do the jump, of course, because I'm here. Um, and I walked back to my house. My mom was there. She put me in the car. She took me home. And when she took me home, it, it, it was a thing where I had to learn to regroup because I had engaged in so much activity. I was trying to wow. teach my kids. I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. And I walked away from my foundational base. So as I empower young men and women, I, I tell them this story to let them understand that we all fall, but we all have to have a support system around us to be able to do things. So I tell any young man or young woman that's, that, that's, that's attending ODU, I will say this as, as, as a, as a student that has gone to a predominantly white university as well as an HBCU, I've had tale of two tapes. The challenge that I had at ODU was they were friendly to let me in. They were receptive to let me in. I thought that I had made it, but the level of work that you have to put in to maintain, to graduate, and to do the work is, is astronomical. During that window of time that I was down and out, my mom, and my counselor, shouts out to Miss Duggar at Virginia State University. She came to my rescue. They enrolled me at Virginia State University, where I stayed for two years. I was miserable, but I had to come back home to ground myself. Where <laughs> I, would, I, I was, I mean, because the, the HBU experience was awesome, but academically, I wasn't getting the challenge that I'm used to. I mean, not to say that I'm a genius or anything like that. But I, 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 I hunger academic prowess, right? So 
I was not really receiving that. It was kind of like I would just show up. At, I would work a full-time job at Food Line. I worked nights at UPS, and I would just show up and take tests. And I was on the dean's list. It was like, well, how in the heck are you doing that? Like, because the curriculum rigor was totally different. So I would say to 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 to, to Lil Ellis that you know, even though you may have left and transitioned into a different situation, I learned this a while back. Even though you transition from one place to the next, what's going to be the difference? What are you going to make different in this situation versus what you did? You can change the people and the situations and the surroundings, but everything resides inside of you. What are you going to do different that those things that you did there aren't going to impact you there? Because literally you walk from one block down the street to two blocks up. and But actually the same person was in the same places. So what are you going to do to change that? And I think that's the conversation a lot of kids don't have. It's like the self-evaluation has to happen. So I had to do a lot, even down to being 49 years old. I'm still doing self-evaluations right now. So it's, I would say to him, just keep grinding, but just know that even though you picked up and went two blocks up the street, you picked you up and everything that you had with you, you took with you. So what are you getting rid of? What are you going to change? And where is your betterment place going to come from? So let, thank, thanks for sharing that, number one. <clears throat> but number two, can you, um, first of all, I, I want you to give a shout out um, to, to your, to the name behind you. I want you to talk about the name behind you, okay? And I would like for you to talk about um, after having that experience and you was walking back on Little Creek, can you talk about how God, or how you began to hear God's voice you know, along your journey after that little creek experience. So um, me and you talked about this. I didn't know what I was actually hearing um, initially. And, you know, people always think God is this loud, audible voice, but I just kept hearing this, this thing telling me you're worthy. You're, 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 I'm not ready for you at this level. Like you're, 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 your work is just beginning. You cannot do this. And, you know, to see people and the thing about it is, I was able to see people that were impacted that were that were if something would have happened to me, those individuals that I saw on my journey, like almost thank you, thank you, Holy Spirit. It was kind of like my Damascus Road. That mm. really was that yes. really was yeah. me walking and seeing, and I was ignoring the voice of God the entire time, but I was just walking. I was just walking. And then when I got to the point where it was like, hey, you know what, I don't want to do this. God said to me, how can you take a gift that I gave you? And I'm standing on the edge of this bridge like, man, what is that? Like, you know, what, what is, and that's all I kept hearing. How do you take a gift that I gave you? How do you take a gift that I gave you? And it was like, at that point is when, I already told you about some of the activities that happened when I was younger, but this was one of the culminating pieces of like, wow, I just heard something, but there's nobody else here but me. What's going on? You know, Wow. It was like, pick yourself up and to, to, to hear that scripture late years later about the man in the pool of Bethesda, pick up your bed. You know what I mean? Like, pick yourself up and go. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, and that was the analogy. So it was like, that was the first time in my teenage, younger, 19-ish year frame that I actually heard God say something. And I, and I was ashamed for a long time, right? Because I was like, I don't know what that was. Like, 
I just kept hearing it. And it was like, you know, that you can't take that gift. That gift is that gift is what I gave you. You know, so I was fortunate enough that you, like me, only child, I'm the apple of my mom's eye. I would have destroyed everything mm-hmm. about this woman. I would have destroyed everything about her utter being of existence of how Damn. she poured in me because for 18 years of my life to that point, I was with my mom. I tell people this story and they're like, man, that's crazy. I, in this room that I'm in right now, my mother, even tonight before I go to bed, my mom's going to walk in this room, kiss me and pull a cup over me, cut the light out. I was 18 <laughs> years old. I'm not going to I love it. And, and I'm a mama's boy, but you know what? She did that. My I mother would it. actually, my mother would make sure that everything I needed was prepared but she also instilled that value her and my grandmother were carried over into my adult life of nurturing, caring, loving. But I was like, dude, if you do this, you're taking the gift that God gave you, you're going to destroy something else. So that was the first time man, that I had actually heard the, the sound of God's voice. And it wasn't like you can't, it wasn't that blaring voice. It was just this calm. In that moment of just utter everything, it's crazy. There, there, there's a story. Um, you can go look this up, but talks about they did a, they did a survey on people that attempted suicide and were not successful. And they, they asked them, what is the one thing that, you know, about that situation that changed your life? They said the exact moment that they pulled the trigger or they did whatever, they realized they wanted to live. Oh, wow. They wanted to live. So you think about that. Think about all the people that committed suicide just in an emotional situation. Emotions, right? their emotions took them to a place that they can never come back from, period. But those that survived, someone like me that basically realized, hey, I, I, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't destroy myself. I just created a situation that actually, that is a lot, that, that's allowing me to be here right now. And this is the first time on, you know, on, on a public radio forum that I, you know, I'm comfortable enough in my own skin to be able to, to to tell that story without, you know, without tearing up because I know that, you know, this is when you know what your purpose is. This is when you know you've been defined to do more, you know, in the eyes of God and society. So, you know, and, you know, you can, I don't try to satisfy man. I only do what I do because God allows me to do. Well, first of all, I am honored that you shared it with us. Um, number one, number two, Though I knew the story and I've heard it, each time that you share it, to me, is more miraculous because I know what you are now, right? And I also know some of what's in between, you know, that moment and right now, and which, you know, which is a perfect opportunity for you to talk about that, that name in the background and how that came to be. So another blessing of God. So um, over COVID with everything that was going on with, you know, the the sickness of COVID-19, doing the social unrest and, you know, us as brothers getting, you know, hammered and killed in the streets, you know, by police and things like that. Um, My kids were home like everyone else watching all of this stuff unfold. And, you know, my kids came to me and said, hey, you know, their initial project started this way my youngest son to know him is to love him he's the most definitely a character my oldest son my youngest excuse my youngest son my youngest son come busting in the bedroom he said daddy 
I want to sell merch. I was like, you want to do what? And what is that? <laughs> you know, like, I ain't had no idea. What, I mean, like, I've been in the streets, but I don't, you know, I'm like, merch. I mean, that sounds like some old new designers. <laughs> like, like, like a product, right? It's like product. Yeah, like, like, dude, like what, what you doing? And um, he said, no, I want to sell T-shirts. I want to do my own brand. I want to be a, I want to put it on YouTube. And I was like, okay. So I tell you what, I'm going to mm. give you and your brother I'm going to give you and your brother an opportunity to do a project. It was like, what's that? I said, I want you guys to go and think of something that is not just something that you can put on a T-shirt, but something that's going to allow you to pretty much define the space that you're in. And they pretty much, they pretty, they pretty much told me, hey, listen, at the end of the day, I want you to go and build something for longevity. So my kids and me went back and forth and had numerous discussions. And so it was April 23rd, 2020, the day before Blake's birthday, for his 13th birthday. He said, Dad, I think we got some concepts ready. So they came to me and they said, hey, um, we want to do something that's centered around, you know, our family. I want to do something that allows me to promote um, the inequalities and things that we've gone through as baseball players. And I was like, so what you thinking? And um, Bryce said, you know, believe it. He said, Bryce, he said, Blake, I ha we haven't figured this out. But he was like, believe in the name. Just believe in the name. And he was just trying to say, believe in the name of Jesus for them to get a concept. And we said, hold on, believe in the name. So I go on, this is a true story. I actually go on to GoDaddy and I type believe in the name. I type in believe in the name and believe in the name dot com is already taken but it says believe in the name pro mm. and the kids just went crazy it was like yeah dad that's hot that's hot i was like <laughs> i don't i'm like i don't i don't get it they were like believe in the name pro i was like oh you know what that may be kind of catchy so then we broke it into bit in pro and i was like oh that's kind of hot guys i like that and it was like hey we want to do they want. They said that I want to. We want to do T-shirts that have positive affirmations. And this is where your boy Bryce shows up again, just in conversation. He says, <laughs> "Hey, Dad, I want to do. I want to do shirts with positive affirmations because I want to represent kids that play underrepresented sports." Mm. I was like, I was like, what do you mean underrepresented sports? He was like, kids like me and my brother that play baseball, kids that swim. Black kids that swim, black kids that play baseball, black kids that, that 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 do golf, hockey, you know, all the all sports where you don't see. He said, you know, we dominate basketball, we dominate football, and that's good. He said, but we want to do a brand that shows our belief in our faith, our family, our team. Come on, man. You know, just our desires. Come and on, man. So I said, all right, cool. Come on, man. So let's do it. So April 23rd, 2020, in, Believe in the Name, Pro LLC became an LLC in the Commonwealth of Virginia. But at the same time, I'm like, guys, what is pro? You know, professional. Nah, dude, this thing a little bit different. I'm like, let me think on it. So they were like, we want to get a sketch artist in. So they just write down pictures and they drawing pictures of, the, of everything. And I was that same voice that told me about my gift. I prayed about this for two weeks and I said, God, what is pro? 
it was a Sunday morning. I was laying in bed. I mean, the world had shut down. I mean, it was COVID. I was laying in bed. And the voice of God said to me, believe in the name, practice required all. Oh, Whoa. my goodness. Come on, Dust now. the name. But dust the name, bid in pronoun, believe in the name, practice required all. I immediately on that Sunday, I contacted, shouts out to Justin Lauder, <laughs> the trademark genius. I hit up my attorney and I said, hey, dude, this is what I want to do. He said, for real? He was like, <laughs> I gave it to him. And right now, my, my son's own believe in the name pro llc um they have a brand called bid in pro that has a different group of different brands affiliated with it everything that they built i've taught them about trademarking this this is a fully vetted brand where um they wear and all so my kids we live in florida now but they wear their own brands they wear their own practice clothes they wear their own they don't buy Nike. They don't, not to knock any of those guys, shout out to you guys, but they wear their own stuff. And I have a colleague of mine that's actually a representative in the uh, National Football League. And he actually saw the first design of the pro shirt that came out. He lost his mind. He said, bro, who did this? I said a 13, at the time, a 12-year-old and a 14-year-old. He said, dude, no way. We knew at that point that that was going to be their moniker of what they wanted to do. So here's the irony of that. If you look back, and this is why I know God gives us visions for longevity. Look at what young men and women are doing now in, 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 in collegiate sports. They're getting NIL deals, right? Yeah. yeah. I told my kids, I said, listen, you don't have to hunt for NIL deal. You already have a fully trademarked fully federal trademark brand that allows you to have a clothes apparel. And so Bryce being who he is and, you know, kind of, you know, me being under you from the, from the motivational and mentor and, and, and spiritual piece, Bryce said that we're going to put a motivational peaking piece under this. So underneath bid and pro there's on, motivational man. mental health and awareness piece that we built in to, to young athletes and, and, and young ones that are actually in programs to assist them with getting any mental health issues, being able to, again, using the words of affirmation and different components. And this was all started, again, by, a, at the time, a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old that had a drink, a 14-year-old that said, hey, we want to leave our mark on the world. And thus, Fit in Pro was developed. You know, first, congratulations. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm not surprised. And one of the reasons why I wanted you, you know, to come onto the show, I think why God placed you on my heart is that you're able to be transparent. And I think oftentimes, you know, when people hear you speak, they, they hear you talk about, you know, all that you've been able to accomplish, but very few people know that you lost everything in the house fire. You know, very few people know, um, you know, I mean, and, and, and not to share your business, People don't know what you've gone through in terms of how your children were treated in school, how, you know, you and your wife have gone through, you know, situations in your marriage. Um, um, you know, you you not wanting to leave, you know, Virginia 
and go to Florida, but that's where God led you in the process. You know, you lost some people on the way. So people don't know what you've gone through, the whips on your back, you know, the thorns in your side and how you had to fight for your boys, you know, in Chesterfield Public Schools and how your boys got labeled and got kicked out and how other kids got, you know what I'm saying? No one knows yeah. how you had to go through some tough times to be the man that you are, to be the father that you are, and to be the husband that you are. So that's why I say I, I thank you and I admire that about you because when times got tough, you got tougher. You know, you got tough. Like iron, you got and, tougher. Yeah, yeah. You keep beating that thing and it gets stronger. I think I'll never, I'll never forget this. So when you when you go back to that to that period, um, again transition, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. So in 2007, um, Bryce was about nine months old. We find out that Jay's pregnant with with Blake, and he's born in April of 2008. Um, my wife said, "Hey, we got two kids. I want to move back home." I said, first of all, I'm not moving back anywhere near 757. <laughs> I don't want no parts of that life. I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to stay here in Maryland. I'm 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 not trying to move. Well. She wanted to be around her mother. She wanted the kids to have access to family. And I, I really went kicking and screaming. And as you know, for, for quite a while, we moved here July 1, 2008. And in the process of moving, um, a lot of things happened. Um, we were in a situation where we were, I was, I had one foot in the streets, one foot in my house, and a head leaning back wherever it might fall right so it was kind of like that, that that thing could have went either way my wife tells the story best she says if i hadn't taken you out of the dc street you would still be possibly you, you you we would number one we wouldn't be together two bryce and blake would just be your we would be your kids and i'd be your baby mama and you probably have kids all over dc maryland and which at the point it, it was like yeah i love them streets more than i love being at home and it was like it was just so pretentious and just pulling. And I, I, I didn't want to leave it. Hmm. So when we moved here, um, I told my wife, I said, listen, a couple things, right? I said, one, I'm still going, I'm still going to work in DC. I'm bringing this money down here. Two, I'll be home a couple of days during the week or on the weekends. So my wife had a, a large resentment against me because we had two kids under the age of two. She's having to work from home. She's having to do daycare, diapers. I'm literally in the club on Tuesday night in D.C. acting a fool with my wife at home struggling. But I got a zip code in Virginia and I got a condo in Chinatown. Life was good, right? And I'll never forget this. In October of 2008, um, I came across someone that said, hey, I know this business looking for an IT guy. And they took me to 1700 Blair Street. And um, the lady that was there was like, um, I need you to meet our pastor. No, take it back. It was Mother's Day 2009. She said, I need you to meet. You and pastor have to talk. And I was like, who's your pastor? Like, and she said, Dr. Henderson. Forgive me. I was like, <laughs> Ellis? <laughs> I was like, Ellis? She said, you know pastor? I was like, yeah, I know pastor. She was like, she was like you, 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 you got to come check out the world. You got to come on, you know. This was this was the weekend of Mother's wow. Day 2009. 
And she said, you got to come because during that time, my wife was like, Yo, we want to go to church. We were at a different church in Richmond. And she was like, we got to find a church. And then I came home. I was like, hey, I said, one of my homeboys from college is a pastor. Da, da, da. She was like, we're going. I said, hold on, son. You know, we just know that shit. She was like, no, we're going. And we went. Mm. Heard you preach that first Sunday. And I came home. And I told, it was about two weeks. It wasn't that same day. It was two weeks and we kept coming back. And I told my wife, I said, I don't want to do this. And this is where it really goes to a different direction. I said, I don't want to do this. She was like, what do you mean? I said, Jay, I don't want to get close (laughs) to God. She was like, what do you mean? I said, I don't. I, I don't want to get close to God because mm. I don't want to lose me. Mm. She was like, I don't get it. I said, I said, listen, I was at a church in DC. I would go to Bible study. I was really trying to get involved. And the older congregation was just a little bit fickle. Then, but the pastor that he was diligently pushing me, pushing me. And I was like, I'm good. I don't want to do it. And I told my wife, I said, I don't want to take this journey. I said, but for whatever reason, I keep hearing his voice saying, this is the reason why I brought you to Richmond. I told you that. It was like, this is the reason why I brought you here. And my journey started May, the two weeks after Mother's Day, 2009. um, Me and my wife and family, we we basically became joint heirs in the way of the Lord. And it forever changed my life because at that exact moment is when I'm not going to lie. People that, that, that are new Christians, they don't understand something. When you decide you want to derobe and you want to be exposed, mm. man, I got I got hit with everything but the kitchen sink. Mm. I got in that, in that, in that, in that, I'll share this. In that one year, me decided I'm going to change my life. I went to jail. I lost a business partner. Not, not, not in the spiritual sense, not in the death sense, but we, 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 we basically lost out. I lost a lot of money and I learned how to be free in Christ. I mean, I literally, oh, and I went through an IRS audit. I mean, like, I mean, all in a matter of that point when I decided I wanted to do this. And it was constantly like, God was like chopping this off, chopping that off. And I'll never forget, there was a sermon that was preached about uh, dying to self. And uh, that that thing changed me. So all of the stuff that I went through culminated to prepare me for a journey that I was going to. You mentioned 2011 in the house fire. Um, in August 28, 2011, it was after Hurricane Irene. My wife left a pot on the stove at our house. And we didn't know the stove was on. The house burned. Mm. We, we, we lost everything we had. Um, if it wasn't for, for the way the Lord, it wasn't for family and friends. Um, we wouldn't have made it through that. We were in a, honestly, a roach-infested rental house. We lived in we lived in embassy suites for two months. A man came out of nowhere. I met an older white gentleman at embassy suites in the lobby. And he mm-hmm. said, do you want to move your family into a house? I have a set of keys for you right now. He said, go to this address, tell me what you think, and you and your family can move in. I'll take care of the rest. I can't tell you where that man came from. I don't even know how I even connected with him, but he was like, I don't provide houses to people that want them. 
I provide houses for people that need them. I never knew this. And he was like, it's a nice home. It was a nice home. We were, we were in the embassy suites and um and uh right there off of West Broad Street beside the Friday. And he said, I there's a house, it has a backyard, it has four bedrooms, it's not furnished, he said, but don't worry about that, that'll be taken care of. And I went to the house, I picked up Jay from the from the hotel, we went to the house, and just to see the joy of excitement on my kids' faces. He was wow. like, Yeah, are we moving here. I was like, yeah, we're going to move here. The next day, I contacted the man back and said, sir, um, I want, we, we need the home. And he said, I'll make some phone calls and I'll have the house fully furnished for you tomorrow. We literally had a four bedroom, three, two bathroom house prepared for us. We lived in that house from October of 2011 until the house I just sold. We moved in there in April, uh, May of 2012. And my life forever escalated. And I, I started to, to, to gain more self-confidence, awareness. Um, Richmond can wear you down just because, honestly, people are very fickle there. Um, yes. But yes. I, I, I continued to just stay the course on what I was doing, aggravated at times, but the the battle scars of the whips the piercing is real so i tell anyone when you opt to say i accept jesus as my lord and savior and this is the path i want to go on i will tell you right now the day that you confess that the day that you put the enemy on notice that hey i'm changing my life man you better learn one to engage the holy spirit for protection Two, you better learn the sacred language of being able to speak in tongues, and you better pray it. In oh, for, okay. We we are going to we're going to stop right there for a brief break. But when we come back, Minister Moore, when we come back, I'm going to ask you can expound on what you just shared because we are talking faith. We're on Block Talk Radio Network. Our guest tonight is is Diaz Moore, a longtime friend and brother of mine, and he just dropped some jewels. And so we're going to take a few seconds to step away for a brief break. And then we're going to come back. But Minister Moore is going to, you know, expound on the jewels he just dropped. And I please tune, tune back in and grab a piece of pen. I'm, I'm sorry, grab a paper and pen and take some notes. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. No, I'm not a writer. Okay. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And we're back with Iron Sharp as Iron, talking faith with Dr. Ellison Henderson. We just took a brief break. He's heard some great music by James Saxon Gates out of Richmond. The song is called New Beginnings. And Tonight we have as our guest is now um, the Reverend Diaz Moore or, or Minister Moore, <laughs> uh, because <laughs> I mean, I mean, one of the beautiful things what I love about what I'm doing is that the spirit just flows, and so I don't have to ask a whole lot of questions. You know, I just give the person you know room to share, and then when the person shares something. 
the Holy Spirit is like, okay, let, let, let's pause and let's unwrap this a little bit. Okay, because before we left and went to break, you was giving us some points on how to endure some things. And you you said something, you know, you know, you talked about praying in the spirit. That's what you said on yeah. a national platform. And yes, so, sir. so good brother, can, can we talk about that for a second, if you don't mind, um, what that means, you know, I mean, just, I mean, just for the listeners who don't know. Yeah, man. So what I was saying before we went to break, the problem that us is, you know, as I said before, I didn't want to take this journey to, to, to go and lose myself. But I would tell anyone that, you know, when you hear the song and you in the church and you about to go up there and give your life to Christ, be prepared because once you do that, you put the enemy on notice that, hey, I want better. I'm going to change my life. And mm-hmm. once you do that, you have to now change the perception of what this truly is. You have to be prepared to be hit with everything but the kitchen sink. So mm-hmm. what I said is you need to understand how to align yourself in the spirit. You need to be able to understand what it means to invoke the Holy Spirit. You need to understand how to ask in a different language. And that is talking in, you know, you know, in, in what we call speaking in tongues to have that encrypted language in order to be able to go to God. Because, see, you know, the thing that we all learned or know encrypt, is the angel encrypted language. language. That's that security dude in me. Right. Ooh, so that, 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 encrypted that, that language. Talk about a good that, brother. That's the way that if you listen to us as we pray in our just regular English voices and the enemy is around us. The enemy is doing what it was designed to do in this disrupt and to basically cause havoc. So whatever words we have, they come out. So you think about it. God spoke a thing in six days we had the world, right? So if you speak and your your, your belief is coming out and I want to do these things, but you have to naturate and sit on that thing, challenges are going to come because you ask the Lord to shape, change your life. The enemy is like, I don't like that. I'm going to make your life and you get discouraged and you get mad. So you have to invoke the ability to be able to pray and invoke the spirit into your life to say, hey, God, I want to do that, but then when you start to flow in the spirit and just relax where you are, you're going to notice that your tongue starts to roll in a different way. You're going to be praying in a different language, and it's almost like people, yeah, let's call it what it is. People will be like, oh, that's fake. That's not real. No, you don't know what it is that when that Holy Spirit falls on you and you opted and asked for this change to come in your life, you have to be open to receive. The only way you're going to get to that level is you have to be open to receive. So when you Mm. become open to receive, the inflections of your prayers change, the, the tone of your prayers change, you know, you become a new person. So you, there's a process involved. This does not happen overnight. No way possible. It's, it's it's not. It's a marathon. It's 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 an ever evolving thing where you have to learn to be able to go into the Word of God, apply it in a certain way where you're looking for something. This is a journey, right? This is a thing where I, on my way, I knew I did not want to walk down that path because mm-hmm. I said I don't want to die to myself. Once Who you want relax to- it. Hmm? I said, who would want to do that? You know what I'm thinking? It's like, yeah. who wants to die to themselves 
and, and go through all you want to go through because you've been told something else completely different most of our life. You know, we haven't been told that we're going to have to struggle on this journey in order to get to the glory that most of us are seeking after. And not just after we die and go to heaven, right? But like here on earth. And, and what you've gone through, you can see, you have a great testimony of, of going through a valley and being on the mountaintop, going through a valley and being able to sustain yourself by God's grace and mercy. Yeah, and it's crazy. You say, yeah, do you really want to go through this? And when you're sitting there, like, you got to be in a situation where you really are looking for something. But let's go back to it. I'm going to call it. We on public radio. I mean, the whole platform. I'm going to just call it like I see it. The black church has destroyed the moniker of what it is we're trying to achieve in glory. It's not equated to a dollar amount. I'll give you the utmost credit because when we were pretty much doing tithes and offering and we were sowing in a fertile ground and sowing and sowing and sowing, you know, I got to pay it. You don't pay a tithe. You don't do that. But also, too, you know, you used to always say that, hey, I don't get paid. This is what God has called me as my ministry. I'm here pretty much mentoring and developing disciples, period, right? So you can look at what's happening is the black churches, we can't, we're not effective in the communities. We're just a social club. We're just wow. there to have a man, a man in a pulpit just sitting there screaming and yelling. Or, you know, there may be some directors coming out of that, but I don't want anyone to tell me, you know, hey, um, if you give me this, you get that. That's not what the word of God says. That's not how that whole thing is. So I tell anyone, if you want to evolve to be better, you have to walk in that spiritual place of self-identity to understand who God has called you to be. Because what this this whole thing is, you're weaponizing yourself. You're weaponizing yourself to be able to not have to deal, you to cope in a society or world that's confused. But you're weaponizing yourself because, one, you're protecting your family. You're protecting your lineage. You're mm. basically breaking generational curses. Um, you know, so to take this walk and say, hey, I want to, that's why the enemy gets mad. I mean, let's be transparent. My youngest son was attacked by the enemy at two years old. Well, a little bit younger than that. You remember this. Oh, we, I forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot about that. But during the course of that, that breaking oh, and tearing, yeah. The, the the breaking and tearing of that was that attack wasn't on him. The attack was to get to me and my wife. Right, right, that's right. And we right. identified that at 1700 Blair Street yeah. where a pastor, other pastor that was there told my wife, he's going to be fine. Mm. The attack is coming for you two. That's right. Literally, that literally that day. And, you know, again, I'm taught to love people, not to judge anyone. But I just prayed against some things generationally that was happening in my bloodline, her bloodline, and we left all the altar that night. And we let the spirit take it. But that's what should be happening. We're caught up in what you wear to church, what you got on, what you doing, what car you driving. When you get to the gates and knock on that gate and say, he going to say, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant. Or he going to tell you what? Get before me. I, I don't know who you are. Because we got to, we got to, again, you got to what? You got to die to self to allow that to be able to increase. You know, and, and, I, and I'm not professing to know anything or a lot of everything, but the one thing I know on this journey, I have lost it all. 
I have been in a situation where, you know, I went from making three and a half million dollars on a monthly basis, payroll, blowing money, having a great time to 2015, losing everything I had, having mm. to shut down a company that I had because of wrong people in the wrong seats and thinking I'm above what God was doing. Again, one foot in, one foot out, trying to figure out on my own and not trusting. But once again, in this purge factor, God needed me to see some things. So I've been aware. So I tell all my brothers and sisters that's listening to this, take the journey seriously. Let the effects of what's going to happen happen because there's consequences to every action. But if you go into understanding how to gird yourself up, how to pray for your family, how the spirit can move you, understanding how to talk in the sacred language, how to actually be able to do those things. I'm going to be honest with you. The journey is still going to be rough. It's just, it's just no one thing. You taught me this. You cannot lose a fight you've already won. You just got to go. You just got to go through the process. You, you, you right. have to go through the process, right? When you want right to fight, that, right means, that, that, that means something happening, right? I ain't going to lie. You getting hit with jabs and body blows. You getting hit for real. But you're not going to lose the fight. Now, what you will lose is mm. you, may, you, you may have a hip messed up or shoulder messed up. <laughs> you may have all this. As Ask Jacob when he turned his name into Israel. What happened? The angel of the Lord whooped his butt. You can't encounter the spirit of the Lord and think your life and your name ain't going to change. So that's that right there is, you know, what I mean when I say, hey, this journey has prepared me to be able to look through a different set of eyes. You know, one of the things from a distance, you know, um, <clears throat> someone could look at you and see what you've gone through without knowing you and thinking that you are arrogant or you yes. are conceited or yes. you are um, stubborn or you are um, hard headed yeah. or you are spoiled or you yeah. are, you know, but I don't really think people see the, your heart and your heart's intention behind everything that you do. And I have always admired your heart, admired your giving and like your wife, you know, when you were doing certain things, you know, knowing what the outcome could be, you still gonna gonna go all the way in. Like for example, um, your 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 academy. Can you talk for a second about your academy and what you've been doing in inner city Richmond, inner city um, work with inner city kids, um, and how much that has been a difficult challenge, but it's been a pleasurable journey for you, and how so, God has blessed you in that area. Yeah, man. So. This is one of these things that, you know, silent prayers come to light. Um, I had, and how this all evolved is I always have been blessed where I've been in high level rooms from an executive standpoint. Um, I worked for a lot of Fortune 10 companies. I, I, I was able to do a lot of things before I started my own businesses. Um, and I was able to sit at some tables, but I always noticed when I was at the table, there was nobody there that looked like me. And also realize that I'm pretty educated. So when I used to speak and when it was my turn, people would kind of almost what I felt like reject me. 
But what it was, my, my wife soon to tell me, it was like, Yo, you're so powerful when you speak. They mm-hmm. don't know how to return what you just said because you spoke knowledge of truth. It's like, wow, that's, that's. So that was one. Two, when I moved here, I had a vision that I wanted to change young people's lives. So I started doing volunteer work in Chester County Public Schools um, with kids that were in the worst schools. Um, at the time, they labeled L.C. Bird Community High School, which is an alternative school at the time, and Meadowbrook High School as a school that um, were bad. I said, those are the schools I want to be in because I want to see kids that, you know, are looking for better. Even if they're just worse, I want to work with them. And we started to do that. And then that evolved into me going to Virginia State and mentoring young men and women in careers in IT, often in my internship jobs. That spawned into me wanting to do more. We started doing programs in Southeast D.C. Um, we came back, went to Hampton. We did a lot of pilot programs. And in 2018, I launched um, uh, I launched the More Legacy Foundation, which spawned off of the Next Steps Educational Academy, which is a STEM technology-based academy that focuses on delivering service of STEM science, technology, engineering, and math to our kids in underrepresented populations, inner city, um, rural areas, and providing educational and uh, mentorship services to them. And I, I had my program at Union um, for a couple years, you know, at 1700 Blair Street. Um, then this summer, we were able to move into uh, a space at John Marshall High School. And I realized that and even before then, we had a lot of doors shut in various cities in the Tri-Cities area, and I'll leave it at that, um, where we were trying to impact kids and change communities. And I realized at that point, God spoke to me and said, hey, this is a spiritual piece. This is your ministry. This is what you're called. This is your purpose. Mm. Um, and mm. you, you need to attach yourself and change your own people's lives if you want them to be at that table. Um, and I realized at that point that this was something that, again, just like the prayer piece, it's difficult because now I'm talking about walking in intimate territory, taking control of these young men and women that are just running rampant in the streets, doing whatever they want to do, and trying to impact someone's life. Um, life. I ended up um, becoming consumed by the fact that I couldn't turn certain kids, but it was like the ones that were impacted were coming back. Hey, I want to work for you for the summer. You changed my life. You did these things. And so this summer was the most difficult thing I've ever encountered where I was able to engage 20 plus kids that were rising ninth graders going to John Marshall High School, young men and women with a lot of scars, a lot of trauma, very Mm -hmm. brilliant minds, very intelligent young men and women that otherwise wouldn't be given a chance to do anything. And I learned at that exact moment that, you know, you can change people, people when you apply yourself in a different way. So we realized that we wanted to love these kids. We wanted to show them exposure. So we came up with a concept called um, E2C, experience, exposure, and collaboration, where we wanted to actually put kids that are similar yet different teach them to collaborate and connect with each other and work with groups. We wanted to give them experience of understanding what technology could do and how we use the experience of taking computers apart to address socioeconomic and mental imbalances that those kids are having. 
um, mm. and to get them to be able to communicate. Um, and it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, it burnt me out because it was just dealing with the politics. This is the side that's ugly. When you start, I want, I want everyone to hear me when I say this. When you start to empower young men and women of color to weaponize them for the next level, the politics comes out and that's when the enemy shows up. They don't you, want you to do that. They don't want you, you to empower these young men. When you say weaponize, can you define that and elaborate on that for a second? Yeah, yeah. So um, to be weaponized means that you have the ability to deal, to defend off attacks. That means that if, if, if I went, for example, I'm using a hypothetical situation. If I was an F-14 jet flying around and I'm in the sky and an enemy fighter jet comes up on me, can I defend myself? No, because I don't have the tools to be able to do it. And you take that F-14 and you put guns on it, you put missiles on it, enemy shows up, you can now defend yourself because you weaponize that fighter. Mm. What I'm doing with young people and even young, even people in, in professional space is I'm giving them knowledge of self by preparing them to understand where their, their deficiencies are, how to leverage education as a means to get as much knowledge as possible. So when the enemy shows up in a different way, the enemy could be anybody, right? But to be challenged, to be weak and not be able to defend yourself is what we're seeing in our communities right now. Why would a young man at 20 some years old want to walk around with his pants hanging on you know, looking a certain way, not judging at all, but you, right, you, right. you don't know. You don't know, right? So if you're not seeing that example, you assimilate to what you know and your weapon is ineffective. But if you put that young man into a situation where you're teaching him to be educated, to speak appropriately, not use filler words, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just trying to figure it out. If you teach him to be able to be <laughs> articulate, you put a suit on that young man and you're able to put him in front of this type of platform, He's able to speak. You've yet to hear me use an arm or a filler word because why? I've been taught by my mama when I was in school because I wanted to educate myself to understand how to communicate. That's weaponization. Not just chatter, chatter, but pulling out pure facts. Like you said, you can use example of what my oldest son told you about dinosaurs and chicken. <laughs> the joker didn't break no words and use no arms. Bam. <laughs> You know, again, that's a prime example of what I mean by weaponizing. Uh, I want to weaponize oh these young men. Yeah, oh you know, the, the, tagline, the tagline of our nonprofit is service through empowerment. We're servicing them to empower them to make a change in their life. So that's what weaponization is. When, when you initially said weaponization or weaponize, I was thinking about David. I was thinking about David against the Goliath and how David, you know, you know rejected the, the armor of Saul because not only was it not big enough, but it wasn't what he was accustomed to. He had natural mm -hmm. gifts, right? And he utilized those natural gifts, you know, not only in attacking Goliath, but he also was a natural soldier anyway. And so you are a gifted orator. You are a gifted and articulate and speaking always have been. And, you know, most people don't have that gift of gab, as somebody would say, as you have. And one of the things I noticed about you You've never used any ums and ahs. And since I've known you as a 17-year-old kid, you've always, I mean, you could be a rapper, but you, you have a gift of speaking. You are an orator. 
right? You know, people want to talk about a Martin Luther King, a Malcolm X, and so forth, but you have all those gifts and you have the voice and you also are a tall, handsome um, African-American soldier, man, you know what I'm saying? So you have all the natural gifts, you know what I'm saying? And with that, you have the heart of God too. So with that, that's why you're going to be a threat and that's why you're always going to be viewed differently because you come from a different angle. You come from a different perspective. And then, you know, you're anointed too. You love the Lord. You know, the favor of God's on your life. You got some wisdom. You got some life experience. You know what I'm saying? That also, you know, makes the enemy want to come at you as well because you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And you've always been a threat. And that's why the enemy was trying to get you to throw yourself off that bridge back in Little Creek because the enemy knew what you're going to be doing right now and what your children are going to be in the platform your children are going to be on. Can you speak a little bit about you um, leaving Richmond and how you got to your current place of Orlando, Florida? Yeah, so that is the real unique part about all of this. Um, you talk about gifts, you talk about passions. Um, my kids have, you know, you talk about baseball players aren't made, they're born, I mean, they're, they're not born, they're made. Mm. Um, my kids have always had a love for sports um, and they played football, they played basketball and, you know, but baseball was something they gravitated to. And since the age of four years old, my kids have been playing baseball. At the age of five, I started coaching my kids and because I, I, I saw that there was not a vehicle that, that our young black men and women were playing baseball in. And it bothered me. And I wanted to protect my kids. So I started coaching them. Um, I had the pleasure of, of, of being probably one, if not one of the only black head coaches in Chesterfield County for a long time, um, from like 12, 2012 until probably nine years, until probably last year, um, on various teams, coaching football, baseball, and basketball. Um, and I've had the pleasure of winning championships um, with those kids and empowering them, even down to AAU. Um, but this baseball thing started to evolve. And my kids showed me they had special talents and gifts, but the people, that, the enemy of sorts, tried to say my kids weren't qualified to play. And I didn't believe that. And so I started to put my kids on higher level exposure platforms and take them across the country to play baseball. And they sparked the interest of some people. And me and my youngest son went to Florida in February. He was selected to play on a team out of Michigan, you know, Ohio. We went down to Florida for four days, and it just felt right. Right, and he said, "Dad, this is where I want to be." I'm mm. Like, boy, I ain't mo- like, boy, I ain't moving to Florida. <laughs> and um, I'm like, I ain't. Here, here was here was my next statement was, "I ain't leaving my mom. I ain't going to Florida. I'm staying home." So, and um, <laughs> so this thing, this thing started to evolve where I noticed that they were playing at a different level compared to their peers here in the Richmond area. Mm. And I'm leaving for Arizona on the night, the 14th, my oldest son to play in a national underclass for 2026 uh, tournament out in Arizona. And that that started in June, started getting exposure, started all those things. And I said, you know what? Me and my wife talked about it. It was the day after Easter. I had prayed about it. And I said, God, I got to make a move. And he said, I need you to go south. And I was like, I thought that was North Carolina, right? Ended up getting a phone call, connected with these brothers on social media. They kept talking about Florida, 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 Florida. And my dude ended up connecting me 
my dude ended up connecting me with a gentleman uh, that at the school we're at now. His name is Brian Martinez. Shout out to TNXL Academy. And he said, hey, man, I think you guys can do well here. And I talked to my wife, and she said, what you going to do? I said, the house is going to market. Mother's Day weekend, the house sold in 16 hours. June 9th, wow. the house closed. We rented the house back. July 26th, I was on a plane with my family flying to Florida. July 27th, the moving truck came. And I've been back to Virginia three times since then. As a matter of fact, I picked you up in the airport and drove you back <laughs> to the hotel. Yes, you did. Totally, yes, you did. Totally, totally, totally off the grace of God. Um, but that's how we got to Florida, man. And my kids are in a blessed situation where um, they're evolving to be great young men. Um, and we got to Florida. And, you know, I've always been taught if it's easy, it's up God. This had to be the easiest thing that ever happened to get them some breath of fresh air. I think when you saw me, you was like, dude, like you didn't lost some weight, you're lighter, you're more calm, you're at peace. I am. Um, I, I, I made a conversation. I walk every day. I walk like three miles and, you know, I try to work out and just stay active. But I'm full of focus down there because I'm not all over the place like I was here. I'm not ripping and running. I literally get up in the morning. I work out for an hour. I come back home, I eat breakfast. During my walk, I'm talking to God. I'm talking to God before I get out of bed. When I get out of bed, when I get on my walk, when I'm on my journey, come back home, I shower, I eat, I take my kids to school. I work around the house on my, my regular stuff. I go back and pick my kids up, rinse and repeat every single day. And I never thought, I mean, anybody knows me knows that I'm all over the place. The fact that I'm able to do that every single day and have peace about it, I don't have people around me. I don't have all of the, the things that I had here in Chesterfield. It was like, I knew I was going somewhere, but here's the deeper part of this. I didn't know where I was moving. I didn't have mm. an address. As of, as, of June, wow. June, as of June 30th, I didn't have an address. I didn't have a house. I went to Florida on June 20th and found a house. If that's not faith, I don't know what is. If that's not faith, I don't know what is. That's faith. I, I ain't had nothing, bro. My And my wife, if anybody knows my wife, she said, I'm letting you drive this. That's the first time my wife said, <laughs> I trust you. Not, not like that, but like, she basically like, you drive it. Like, you drive Like, like I'm not going to say a word. You driving this. I'm following your lead. Mm. And we, I flew down on June 20th. I stayed there for three days. I met the lady, went to the house, and she even, she contacted me on June 30th and said, you can sign the lease on July 1st. Are and you serious, man? On July 1st, I signed the lease. July 20, June, July 25th, they, we packed up our house in Chesterfield. And July 26th, we flew to, to Florida. My wife had never seen the house until she moved into it. She what? never. She she. Jay never. Saw, you know my wife. She. I'm never saying saw like what? She never saw the house until we oh, moved. Oh come into on, it. man! That's wonderful. And that's wonderful. The rest is history. My mom, you know, she cooked me tonight, so we Facetime the boys, and we took my mom on a tour of the house. My mom was like, "Wow, that's beautiful." It's. I had to, and I'll be transparent. I had to go to God and apologize 
because I was mad. I was like, this ain't the house that I wanted. This wasn't the size of the house. Da, da, da. And I had to go to God and apologize. I was like, you know what? I'm a selfish bastard for that because that's, you opened this door for me. You set me on a path to be upright. I just got to do the work to basically get to the next part of the journey. The pieces that got me there are not going to carry me. It carries me here. But the next part is when the next part of the process starts. So I had to really apologize to God for that because that was real rude. And, you know, I think mm. you probably saw it. I put a post on comment on social media where I said I suffered from hate and unforgiveness. And what that was is I was mad at the world for looking back. I reflected too long on all the things and the people that had done me hurt and harm. And mm. I've always had this thing where I think I told you I was always told what I wasn't going to be. And so when I was walking in the neighborhood um, one day, it was a dude, nice house, had a big pool. And I said, God, thank you. I said, I apologize because I tell my kids, we call it, we call it up in the gates, up in the fences, right? So mostly mm. 99% of the houses in my neighborhood are fenced in communities. Um, my kids go to school with MLB players, kids. I won't call them MLB players names, but they go to school and these kids come to school in Rolls Royces, uh, Lamborghinis, Range Rovers, you name it. You know, they come into school in it. And, you know, one of the kids lives on our block across the street. And when the kids in the program found out, hey, you know, Bryce and Blake live over in Windermere off by Lake Butler, um, the kids said, oh, they, they loaded anyway. They daddy bring them to school in a different truck every day. And <laughs> Bryce, Bryce, my, they asked my kids, are you guys rich? And Bryce was like, we loaded. <laughs> and, Blake, and, 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 Blake, and, Blake, and Blake looked at him and was like, we he looked at him. He didn't say a word. He looked at him. And the kid was like, I knew you were rich. And Bryce, the exact words for him, I am rich in the glory of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Ooh, I loaded. Love it. I loaded. I love it. I'm yes. loaded. I'm loaded. <laughs> I'm loaded. I'm loaded. So loaded. our joke is, so oh. our, joke, our joke in the house is that we want to get up in them fences. So we putting together our plan to get up in them fences. And, and move into a different home because I don't. I, I'm renting where I am right now because I sold my house. But I wanted to get comfortable where I am. So faith has brought me here, and I wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not gonna lie; the enemy's always poking and trying to get me to doubt myself or to doubt these things. Look at financially where you are and all these other stuff. And I just gotta stay girded up, man. I just I realized even right the morning before I flew here um, yesterday, it was I woke up at three thirty and it was just like my mind was racing, and it's like. When I take a deep breath and I pause and I say, hey, you know what? I moved here with a defined purpose. And, um, you know, we're going to walk out that defined purpose, man. Everybody's like, you know, when I see your kids in the major leagues and all that, I say, you know what? That's God's plan. Let's make it happen. But, you know, we're going to – I, I want to let them know I gave them an opportunity to be great. And they're, they're walking. They're walking. I mean, first, you know, again, I, thank you for your transparency and thank you for your openness. Um, we got a few more minutes before we close out, but I, I, I want, you know, you, you've talked about your, your children. Um, you've talked about your mama. I would like for you to talk about how it felt for Jay Moore to say, I'm going to let you leave this and I'm going to follow you. 
as a man, I did not feel unworthy. I had to feel in, you know, undervalued. To have your wife, you know, if you said for the first time, you know, trust you as a man, how did that make you feel as a man? To, to hear that and to get that, and I then to, to produce, you produced. I fell in love with my wife all over again, and to know our situation, um, we haven't had the best. I mean, we've had our battles because of her own struggles in certain areas, um, untrust, different things, and you know, she truly put me in a situation where I used to tell her how she didn't make me feel like I was worried. I used to tell her stuff like that, and we were just in a tight spot. And but to watch her maturity level and grow through the process. Um, it made me feel like, you know what, thank you, God, for allowing me to go through those 14 years of struggle that I went through in Virginia to let her finally see that, you know, I am the man that, you know, she thought I was going to be and I evolved to be. I don't sleep with any other women. I don't cheat on my wife. I mean, you know, I was able to do something for my wife that I have not been able to do in a long time because again financially in certain areas we struggle because honestly this is no lie we invest a lot into our kids academics um in this baseball life but for her 50th birthday us just being in florida i took her her and my son to dinner me and my sons took her and showered her with gifts i took the kids back home i took her out for dessert and then me and her went to another location before we went home. And it was the best night because it was the first time in a long time when I look at my wife now, I couldn't do it before. I can smile. But it made me feel like, you know what, this is what God was preparing me for, you know, mm. through the entire process. And like now she's just, you know, anyone on my wife, she 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 had to be in her home cooking and being with the I mean, not to sound cliche-ish or like it's sexist. My wife is just a homebody. She just she's a country girl. She's she a country yeah, girl, like your mom. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? It's like you know, she she she's content with you know being there for me and the boys. Um, she doesn't ask for a lot. You know, I can shower her with Gucci purses, high end perfume. I can buy like all the stuff we did for her for her birthday. That doesn't matter. My wife, you know, my wife's most pride and joy is to get up on Saturday morning, and you've seen this. To get up on Saturday morning, throw that baseball cap on her back, on her head, <laughs> throw her T-shirt on with her kid's name on the back of it, and pull that chair and that tent out and sit there and rock, eat sunflower seeds, and drink that's right. sodas. And that's, that's what right. that that that's that's her thing. And so when I say she's involved, she's involved. Like we talk, we my our Yankees is just trash, right? But me and my uh, wife lay in bed every night and watch baseball. We talk mm-hmm. baseball, we talk sports, we talk tennis. We So our relationship, man, this thing of moving to Florida has been the best thing that ever could have happened to our relationship. Praise God. Praise God. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Brother, th- thank you for being on. Thank you for, for being transparent. Thank you for covering every area of the church that um, that, that that is lacking and 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 I say lacking in visibility, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. because you are living faith. And you talk about, I mean, just just thank you. I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna rehash it. I'm gonna say just thank you. God bless let, you. Let me let me say this one thing before you dip out. Yes, and please. Do. I, 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 I want the, I, I want you and I'm putting it out here to, to the masses. Um, 
I this is a part of my call that I that I've been asking God to show me and you blessed me with this. And that day you sent me a text message that said thank you was right on time. I truly man want to be in a situation where I can be on a larger platform to impact men's lives as it pertains to just being true men, to being able to be adaptive to life situations by introducing them to Christ in a different way. Not sitting here, you know, waving the Bible. No, no, not not any of that. But just to be in a true men situation, to be transparent. If you drink, you smoke. Hey, that's cool. But let 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 this conversations that we're having continue to flow. So um, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. So I'm putting it out there to the world, and to the universe, and my Lord and Savior to say, Hey, listen, use me to be that vehicle. So if I can do that, that's man. That is like my ultimate level of what I would love to accomplish in this life. I ask God every day, do not let me die unfulfilled. Do not let me die unfulfilled. Let me do your will and your work. And it keeps coming back to this point of me being able to do socialistic programs like this and social programs and being able to impact someone's life with the words and things he put in my life. So I'm putting it out to the world. Y'all pray for me that that opportunity comes about. So when you see this bald-headed grill and this you know, this white beard, you're like, oh, I know that, brother. You know, he good people, Amen. but he's real folks. Amen. Brother, I'm, number one, you know, you're, you're doing that. You're, you're impacting lives. And not only are you impacting lives, you're raising somebody's husband. You're also raising, you know, I'm a father. And you, I mean, just, you are doing that, man. And I appreciate you. Um, I love you. I'm proud you, of bro. you. I'd like to have you back again. Um, you know, then also have you back and have your boys on. Because again, for we've sure. been talking to faith and we appreciate you being on. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hey, again, this is Dr. Ellis O. Henderson. We've been talking faith with my brother Diaz Moore. Diaz Moore, where, where can they find you, brother? Give me your handles and all your, your social media stuff. Yeah, man. So you can find me at BitInPro, B-I-T-N Pro. That's on all social media handles. And then on my Facebook, it's my first name, D-E-A-S-E-R Moore on Facebook. I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm just, if you come to my page, you're going to see me talking like this. You're going to see me with pictures of my with my kids up there, and we just doing what we do on the field. So God bless you, my brother. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, man, for being on with us tonight. Hey, you guys have a blessed evening tonight. God bless you. And continue to follow us. If you have any questions, reach out to me at ironsharkandzion509 at gmail.com. You can reach me at Pastor E, Pastor Ellis underscore OG at Instagram, and always uh, Facebook, Ellis ODU Henderson. Thank you all very much. God bless you, and have a good night. Join us again for the next installment of Iron Sharpens Iron, Talking Faith, where your faith is inspired, motivated, and activated. This show will be rebroadcast every Friday. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. Peace and blessing until next time.